Esports is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. And this is the podcast where we talk all things branding, marketing, sponsorship, and events. I'm Rebecca Langawa, founder of Happy Warrior, and I'm an esports brand builder and strategist. Join me as I discuss the world of marketing and esports with some of the top experts in the industry. Welcome to the future marketing in esports. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the future of marketing and esports. I'm your host, Rebecca Langawa. And today with me, I'm so pleased to introduce Justin Jacobson, who is an attorney and talent manager at Ford Models. Welcome to the show, Justin. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. We connected just a few weeks ago through LinkedIn. And I, I have to tell you, like the first thing that comes to mind for me is, Ford Models, who in my agency days partnered with a lot on shoots with brands like Adidas and Nike and Kangle. So, you know, to to see someone from Ford Models reaching out to me wanting to talk specifically about gaming and esports is just mind blowing to me, which puts a huge emphasis on how this industry is really going mainstream. So, give me an overview of you know, really what Ford Models is seeing in the industry and, and how you guys have really pivoted towards including esports in your overall offering and strategy. Well, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm an esports entertainment attorney. So I've been really involved in the legal and business and marketing side of different celebrities and musicians and fashion designers. And in the last few years, really expanded into esports and gaming, working with streamers and content creators and casters and coaches and just brands in the space. And as you mentioned, Ford Models is a traditional high-end luxury talent agency, but they've also had a pretty established digital influencer platform where they were already managing health and wellness and beauty models who maybe weren't necessarily runway models, but had engaging audiences and kind of with these Instagram models that companies are spending a lot of money to work with. So they already were working with some pro athletes, especially in their Latin America and European offices. And it really kind of gave them the ability to expand their original digital platform and bring in esports and gaming talent and just give their agency another offering to the brands they're working with. Because as we're starting to see from Gucci to you know, all these other mainstream brands that are starting to come in, they're looking for people that kind of bridge these areas where you're not just a gamer, you're not just a musician, you're not just an athlete. You come from a more well-rounded and diverse personality. So that was kind of where Ford sort thought that they can be great and use their existing network and kind of the way they develop and work with talent to bring them into their ecosystem. And as you notice, the people that we selected, I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, they're just true and true pro gamers or it's just like all they care about is playing League of Legends or, you know, Dota as some of the other talent do. And, you know, that's kind of the Ford kind of way they were looking at things. Right. Multifaceted. Exactly. People that kind of had to be a gamer and then something else. You know, this has to be kind of at the core of who you are and what you enjoy, but then maybe you like fashion or sneakers or you're a pro athlete or you're, you know, big in hip hop or you're, you know, musician and you just have other passions that bring you a little bit different and don't just make it so that all you care about is playing CSGO or Fortnite all day and streaming. You try to diversify what you're doing. And I think 
in today's world, that's what you really need. Can I mention somebody that you, that you, that, that you represent? Ariel Powers. Yeah. So Ariel, I want to talk about Ariel Powers because I used to work in the WNBA on the brand side. So to see this fusion, so tell my audience who Ariel is. So yeah, so she's a WNBA player who was just recently signed to Team Liquid as you know a content creator and streamer and kind of he- heading up their gender and equality initiative. And she's a really a gamer at heart. She, I kind of look at some of these athletes that like they're playing pro sports because they can't they couldn't just be a gamer growing up. So like she kind of always has played it and really kind of used it as a way to connect with her fans as well as her family and. Recently, we've really been kind of help her develop, you know, more of her esports and gaming kind of facet of her career where, you know, working with her, you know, direct day-to-day management to look for opportunities that, you know, as a professional athlete, you know, female professional athlete who also is in gaming, mm-hmm. you might kind of fit into these unique boxes. Kind of what I was right. talking about earlier is you're not just a gamer. You're not just, you know, right. basketball player. You're kind of more of a hybrid but she also kind of has a high fashion edge to her too. Yeah. She has a cool, unique style to her. And I think that, you know, that's kind of like the final ingredient in these things is, you know, you have to be personable and there's a certain look to it. Like mm-hmm. you're not saying you need to be like a six pack ripped guy, but you have to have a look to you and, you know, a presence about you and this personality that people engage with. And I think yeah. that's what she has. And you could see it in her streams and how animated she is. And you know, I think it kind of carries over to like, you know, everything else she does, whether it's playing basketball or, you know, kind of engaging in other ways. Yeah. The personality, because I think that's what really sets apart some of the top streamers in the industry and successful, not even the top ones, successful streamers in the industry from hardcore gamers is that is that energy is the personality the swagger that they kind of carry with them that is infectious to their audiences and to their fans and what that leads into is marketability and that's where you are really shining i think in this space is because you are curating the talent that you're identifying at, that has like that, that special thing. Right. And then you are tying it into create an approach that is leading to marketability. And then you're capitalizing on that building these brand partnerships as, as a talent manager. So tell me about, some of the ways that you've been kind of blown away when you're working with brands that are interested in, or maybe they weren't even interested. Maybe you had to convince them that they would be interested in taking a look at, at some of this talent. Well, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that you mentioned is you need to have this personality. Your fans have to like, you You have to have a community of people that you influence because if you can't influence them, then you're not really have any value. And I think something that's unique that I've been noticing coming from the more traditional, you know, music and sports world and coming to the esports scene is a lot of these brands, they just have different parameters of what they're looking for. Some brand may be like, oh, I want Instagram followers and, you know, high Twitch numbers. And some are only care about TikTok followers and some don't even care about TikTok at all. And it's just kind of unique to see 
what different brands' goals are and how they you know believe they can achieve them and what platforms from YouTube to Twitch to Facebook to Instagram. It's just like really unique to find situations that fit where you find talent that maybe have a bigger presence on one platform or the other. So they might fit a particular brand's campaigning goals better than someone else. And it's just really unique that no one has like this true indicator. There's not one set metric of, okay, if you, Instagram is what matters to everyone and that's right. what you focus on. And right. it's, you know, it's just weird. It's like, you know, people are like, oh, we only care about Instagram and what their likes and, you know, analytics and click through rates are. So it's really just trying to balance all of these different, whether you're working directly with a brand or, you know, an agency on behalf of them, right. trying to tease out what they're looking for. Yeah. I mean, it really comes down to like that balance between what a brand thinks they want and helping to inform that. Like as a strategist, that's kind of my battle every day. Cause sometimes I get asked questions about like, they're looking at things through like the old linear broadcast lens. So the questions that they ask are about a lot of metrics and numbers, but not necessarily about what matters in this culture, which is the, we call them like esports enthusiasts, right? Like that, that very tuned in, dialed in audience that looking at the streamers that they follow or the thought leaders they follow, the gamers that they follow, and really looking at them as a true influencer, right? Where the numbers may not be massive, the conversion rate percentages are so much higher that the adopt and brand affinity is going to skew much higher in the long run than just kind of chasing the biggest thing out there. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, kind of the point of if you have a thousand fans and they all really engage with everything and you have where every single thing you put out is highly engaged and you have almost all of your followers engaging, that might be a little bit value more valuable than someone who has a hundred thousand fans, but only gets 20 likes. It shows the power and the influence. And as a brand, that's kind of the biggest thing is, you know, we don't want to look at these brand ambassadors or partnerships as kind of salespeople, but you have to look at them as an extension of your brand Mm -hmm. and being able to have meaningful engagements with as many people as you can is probably more valuable to most brands. But then you have ones like Coke and Pepsi where it's only about impressions. Like it, there's no need for Coke to really spend money. Pepsi doesn't need to sponsor Odell Beckham Jr. and Saquon Barclay and all of these things. They don't need to sponsor the halftime show. I don't think it'll make a dent in their sales, but they're looking for these big exposure numbers. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of these esports ones, especially the more endemic ones, that's all about selling the product and moving the inventory. And that's the way they grow. And you can't dismiss the evolution of how the Gen Z audience is engaging with content. So I think what we're seeing is building out strategies utilizing influencers where they already are, right? It's not about trying to do something that's never done before. It's about capitalizing on what's already working and really amplifying that. And you guys are working with some phenomenal female talent. Like 
when you sent me over kind of like a quick sheet of the talent, the volume of thought leaders and influencers for the female in in esports industry, like blew my mind. And I didn't even realize that, that I knew that, that the individuals that I saw on that sheet were doing a lot of really great things, but to know that they're working with a premier organization is like such a breath of fresh air. How are you qualifying and, and determining um, that talent? Are people reaching out proactively to you? Are, are you just keeping your finger on the pulse and bringing them in and bringing all these female influencers and thought leaders, even on the industry side in like, you know, how, how intentional of a strategy is that for your organization? Well, yeah, I mean, definitely regarding the talent we're selecting and talking with, it's really a kind of combination of existing networks from just people that I'm familiar with and then some people reaching out or mutual contacts. And we were just trying to identify people that I believe are, you know, have much more going on and just really need the proper polishing and the proper team around them to kind of elevate and understand that the talent development. And I think that's, you know, really the crux of what we're looking at. And, you know, my forte is how do we do things that, overall grow you so that you can make more, you know, it's kind of one of these things where you're at a level, but if you get to this next level, things will really start opening up and the opportunities will get greater and there'll be more opportunities for us to work together. And okay, on, the let's theme- lean in on that, like, I want to talk more about that. What are the tangibles? What are the tactics from a marketing strategy standpoint that you are working with, with these talent to really help cultivate them and bring them to the to the next level if you can share because I think it's fascinating yeah I mean I think that you know coming from again the more traditional entertainment space understanding trying to reach out to the media and the press and get them involved in different charitable organization whether it's like did some stuff with save the children or talking to the wounded warrior project and just trying to find things that maybe aren't necessarily x amount of dollars for something but if you build it and you invest in it it will you know, pay these dividends long term, you know, discussing with them how to create some unique merchandise and trying to find, you know, a graphic designer that can maybe do something that's a little bit more unique than just, you know, your name and a logo and trying right. to find something that you could really identify your brand with. And, mm-hmm. you know, then trying to find different strategic partnerships to get you on, you know, panels or different kind of things like, you know, reaching out to your alumni organization if they have an esports program. How could you get involved and be involved in that space? You know, really trying to think outside the box of, okay, I want to make, you know, this amount to do an appearance. This is what this brand is paying me to do these posts. Like, that's part of it. But I think that understanding, like, yeah, I should go on this podcast and I should game with some of these celebrities and NFL Mm -hmm. players and use their kind of cloud and their community to build with each other. And and I think kind of using that synergy will help everyone. And, you know, I think that a lot of other people aren't really approaching it that way. They're much more of kind of like an, in, you know, just kind of like an intake service where it's just kind right. of like, this is, you know, um, yeah. yeah, just like an answering service, which is great, but not, it doesn't work for everyone. It really doesn't work for most talent. Yeah. I, I You talked about market in the traditional sports world. We talk about your, your areas of market, which is your hometown, the college that you went to, if you went, if you went to college, there's a, there's a few players that don't, they don't have to go down that route. 
And then the city that that you're playing in as three key market areas that you can lean into. And, and then you have your digital footprint with, with esports talent. Are you seeing those same themes in terms of, of market areas or because it's such a digital space, do some of those areas kind of fall to the wayside? I mean, I think that, you know, you identified kind of where I'm looking at where it's like, okay, like, if you're living this hometown, you're the hometown hero. You know, you're playing in this organization. You're, you're the coach for the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn publications are probably interested in you. You know, greater New York area, you know, Manhattan publications, basketball publications. So it's just kind of like trying to find areas that might expose you to a new market, a new audience, and kind of show your story a little bit because there's just so many different people. There's just so much noise that unless you're at this like superstar ninja shroud level, it's really hard to discern the middle and people that are kind of coming up. And, you know, these are the ways to kind of distinguish yourself. And what are you seeing from the traditional athlete market, those traditional athlete clients that are maybe, maybe they're not like esports enthusiasts, but they're very curious and about the industry. Are you creating a, a, a funnel to help get them kind of in into the space and adopt that esports narrative and maybe streaming strategies? Yeah, you know, we actually have, you know, a former NFL player that, you know, we're going to be bringing in to start working with. So that'll be announced pretty soon. And, you know, there's just some, you know, agents that I've been dealing with for a while on behalf of their clients to kind of teach them, you know, the kind of tech they need and how to get the overlay set up and kind of really build these platforms so they can grow. And similarly with some musician clients, they're really interested in this kind of stuff too. So it's really interesting to see how maybe a rapper or a DJ might be able to use this as a platform to showcase, oh, I like the game, but I can also do a a digital release party or we can do, you know, a listening session or I can, you know, do freestyle battles or, you know, wherever I can take it this digital platform allows me to do it very cost efficiently. And what's nice about the internet is there's no limit. Like I was just talking to a client the other day. It's like, what venue holds millions of people? You know, Travis Scott's never going to get 27 million people in a venue once, but in Fortnite, you know, I'm sure you could do it again. Right. Yeah. That's a really good, that's a really good point. And what are the barriers that you're seeing when you're having conversations with people who are like, they're interested in it. I mean, are there barriers that you're recognizing where they want it, but they don't want to do the hard work or are when, by the time people get to you, are they like, are they all in? I mean, sad to say, you know, certain people we may have had to, you know, already drop them from the division because the dedication and what they're putting in just wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. up to what we needed because yeah. at the end of the day, there's only so much time and, you know, any you can direct and give you all these great ideas and help you. But if the other person not going to uphold their end of the bargain and kind of do what, they say they're going to do it. It really stunts their own growth. And yeah. you and you tend focusing on the people who are much more eager and, and much more interested and are willing to work. And, you know, I think that's kind of the conversations is a lot of them are maybe hesitant because they think the costs are too much. People are asking for way more and really just distorting the market because there isn't really a market. This right. isn't traditional influencer world where they kind of know based on your followers what they could spend. Like yeah. it's well, kind of a set your own that. rate. It, it it's is. tough. 
<laughs> it's it's difficult, but also so on my on my on the last episode, I talked to Arta Ocal from ESPN to be successful as a personal brand in esports, kind of have to start with building content, and that and and that is an investment that you need to make. And when you're working with traditional entertainment clients like musicians or athletes that are used to getting paid for every every interaction. I find it really hard oh, yes. to convert the mentality into understanding the long game and where the market is going. What is that field of dreams movie? If you build it, they will come. Exactly. You have to build the thing. And that's an investment in your time and energy. And I think we've just created a precedent in the traditional sports industry for so long that if an athlete lifts their finger, they're going to get oh a my God. their finger. I know. I mean, I, I think that that's like the, the biggest point you have is you have to understand as the talent that, yes, you're not going to get paid for every one of these streams and you're probably going to start. There's going to be 10 people watching. But if you do this consistently and you do it right and you start getting innovative and creative and, you know, I was talking with someone about this the other day, like if you're a professional athlete, get glossy photos of yourself and do a giveaway a month or a day and get move up your followers and get all this engagement. Legitimately, you're just signing your name again. Like and you can only help them so much. And you can create moments, right? Like say, say that you're an NFL player and you did a co-stream with a pro call of duty player. Everything that you're engaging with that shows up on screen it, you can monetize. So you might not get paid to do the stream because there's no sponsor of the stream. You're just creating this thing together, but it's a moment in time that you can say, okay, the hat that I wore, this t-shirt, the controller that I'm using, I'm going to sign these. And then I'm going to put them on a platform like Fanticipate, which does auctions and maybe 25% of whatever it sells really one of a kind and tied to something tangible that you can qualify based on the stream itself. And you could sign it during the stream and show it and then put it into this auction. And that winner then gets this very unique thing. And even though you might not have had a sponsor tied to it, you can still monetize it and take a percentage and put it towards even your own foundation or something that you're passionate about. Like the future of where the space is going it's genius. And I love it. <laughs> like that is where these athletes can, you know, you just have to really think about, for me, it's about the next generation of your fans and consumers. Where are they already spending their time? Twitch, discord, Reddit, right? How are you going to reach them? You can't count on your team to market you. And I was seeing this in, the mid 2010s, right? When I was at the NBA and there were players that were starting to, it was happenstance. They were, they were starting to get traction on Twitter without necessarily recognizing the power out there, that content, the behind the scenes and the insights that they were sharing, people were really gravitating towards. And it's like, if you're willing to spend the time to create your personal brand in these digital spaces, that I think is the mind shift of leaning into platforms like Twitch is it's just like building your own Twitter account. 
You have to stream. You have to create content on Twitch for for a length of time and be consistent and tie it back to you know your your values and your own brand and things that you're passionate about in order for a sponsor to say this is resonating with me and this audience is really paying attention and that's when those deal flows start one thing that i was thinking about i don't know a few months ago was like there should be starting a stream from scratch and all of that equipment and putting like a kit together is kind of hard and like if you could create like a starter kit, I mean, maybe this is something you're already doing at Ford where the starter kit that just goes to the influencer and it has instructions that they can hand off to whoever their house manager is and just get everything set and like walk them through it because it's an interesting time with a pandemic. I mean, you can't ask people to go into a facility and and stream or go go into a production studio and and, and do this type of content. I mean, people are really having to produce this in their own home studios. Are you seeing, like, what level of handholding are you seeing that's necessary with the clients that you're working for? Yeah, I mean, you know, the more traditional gamers and streamers, they already kind of have all this set up, and that's kind of their bread and butter. But, you know, this rapper that we've been talking to, I have this individual who's like a tech guy and, you know, runs streams for a bunch of NFL players. So he handles all the overlays and the graphics and really just setting up everything for them. So it was just kind of like, Hey, like what is, what's like the basic that he needs to be able to do this. And mm-hmm. he kind of like gave me kind of like, you know, the, the different specs that he needs. And what's nice is that, you know, he's able to remote active, you know, remote access the computer once they get it and set up OBS and all the, the images and everything that they need. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what you have to do for a lot of them, where it's just kind of like you could press it on and then you press start and it goes live. Right. You're hyper-connected to some of the largest global brands. I mean, national and global brands. Where, where are you seeing the shift? And are you, do you feel like we're towards a tipping point of more mainstream brands getting into the space or do you think it's going to be a slow build? Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of companies saw what happened last year and how, you know, they may have had all these big experiential marketing budgets for Coachella or, you know, Super Bowl or, you know, NBA All-Star Weekend or all these huge events that they usually have huge budgets for just not happening and then just kind of figuring out how they shift. And I think now that a lot of these companies had a little bit more lead time of like, okay, well, pretty much the next, you know, six months to a year might be pretty similar to this in some fashion. So now how do we still stay relevant, still grow, still roll out our products and still kind of get the return that we need totally lose all the momentum. So I think that there's definitely gonna be a lot more looking at how they use, you know, streaming and, you know, gaming town and people that are really kind of already putting out this content on, you know, these digital platforms. So, you know, I'm hoping that it just kind of is a trend that continues and, you know, more, as more companies come in, I think more just kind of see the need for it. And it's going to be one of these where like, if you're not in it in some fashion, you're going to be the outlier in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I always talk about the balance between the fear of missing out and the cost of missing out. It's going to be, there's going to be some major barriers to entry if brands wait too long because the market could quickly tip and become oversaturated there's not, there's not room. So to get a seat in the room, 
that ticket's going to be a, a lot higher. Yeah, to even like make a big enough impact for the people that have been in it for five years or, you know, you always kind of look around when you're the new guy on the block, especially when it just kind of looks like you're just jumping on the bandwagon or, you know, whatever the hype train is. What are the things that you're seeing happening right now with clients that you're working with that, that like get you really excited? Well, you know, I'm really excited to kind of, you know, help some of these more unsigned talent, you know, get signed to orgs and kind of help find the right situation. Who's interested in helping them grow and understands how you do it. Because I think different orgs have different approaches to how they work with talent and how they deal with the players that are on their roster. So I think it's important to find those kind of other partners that help them grow and going from there to just having just more of these conversations with brands that are kind of like piquing their interest in it. I think the last few years, as I'm sure was a lot of education and saying, Oh, why this is great. And what Twitch is and all they could say is Fortnite and Ninja. And now it's kind of everything that's kind of happened, especially in the last year. You have really esports and gaming being just, kind of a commonality throughout history. And I think that's kind of what Ford, you know, took note of and kind of the beginning of our conversation is they see that this is kind of the way of the world. And Mm -hmm. if you don't kind of get on it now, like you said, there's just going to be, everyone's doing it kind of philosophy where how many gamer glasses do we really need? Right. You know, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) For sure. And how long ago did you guys get into the esports space? Well, yeah, we kind of got this going um, about earlier this summer and really kind of have some big plans of what they kind of have for their, you know, different global expansion. And, you know, I've been doing this for a while, so it's definitely nice to kind of take some of the industry experience and connections that I have and kind of start mingling with some of what they're doing and figuring out ways to take some of their traditional talent that maybe enjoy gaming and how to flesh that out a little bit, which is, you know, kind of the other side of this coin. How do you want to see your organization grow? Like in a perfect world, like what's the, what's the big fish? Like where do you really want to see this department that, that you're working with, you know, kind of evolving into? Well, yeah, I know you kind of, you know, hinted on it earlier is I definitely think that we want to continue with the female representation and finding these high profile women, because when you look around at the table, you see these, you know, four or five man rosters, they're mostly guys, you know, the coaches and the people that are signing them. And, you know, even just the guests on my podcast, it was like, it didn't happen that 50 of the 52 guests were male. It was just like, you know, to find ones who have kind of succeeded on their own in spite of some of this and being able to now help them kind of grow and evolve is something we're really interested in. And, you know, Ford is definitely, you know, coming from the modeling world. There's a lot of these, you know, they're trying to be very, the cognizant of that and trying to be about equality. And, you know, like you said, we have four women, we have, you know, some extensive conversations with a few more who, you know, I really think have some great potential and it's just about kind of doing well for people. I think that's the biggest thing in all this talent world is as you grow and as you are consistent and as you kind of come through for people, your reputation grows and, you know, the bigger fish come out. And I think that's kind of like the ultimate goal is, to kind of keep finding, you know, larger talent and ones that are really trying to grow even more and expand what they're already doing. I love that. What's the balance for you in terms of like proactive outreach, 
versus reactive, just people coming to you when it comes to the esports space? I mean, I think, you know, I definitely keep a pulse on what's going on. And, you know, if I see someone whose name keep coming up, or if I just can kind of see that they have a look or there's something unique about them, maybe I'll just reach out to them or, you know, see if I know someone that, you know, is connected with them. And then you just have some people that are reaching out. But I feel like most of the people that are really able to do things kind of have people around them in some fashion. So it's trying to find people that are maybe not as thrilled with who's around them or maybe feel like someone can bring something else to the table that maybe they're not getting. And who would you say like your, your target is like, are you really looking for talent to reach out to you and start, you know, having conversations about representation? Are you more interested in connecting with brands that are looking to secure talent? Like where, like, What's the call to action? Like even specifically to people listening to this podcast that are like, oh my gosh, I totally want to work with influencers or I want to, I've built this really solid brand and I don't have anybody representing me. Is it, is it both? Yeah, it's definitely both. I think that there's always more conversations and always new brands that just want to have options and maybe they're going down a route and maybe it's not exactly what fits for them. And to be able to know, hey, well, there's other people that are have the same goals and want to work. Because I think that's like the biggest thing about this talent world is some people price themselves out of doing things. And I think that the people that are working more actively, and maybe it's not for this huge six, five, six figure deals every single time. But if you're consistently growing and working with the right opportunities and the right brands where there is this potential growth and it fits, that's sometimes more valuable than a larger payday or an immediate return. So, you know, I I think that's one. Yeah. Yeah. And then kind of on the talent side, if you feel like what we're doing and what we're saying makes sense to you and someone who is going to be a sounding board for you and is maybe going to be like, okay, well, this sounds like what you're trying to do. What about this? Have you kind of thought of this or what else do you like? How else can we build out what you're doing so you can become more marketable? There can be more brands interested in you. Like, How do we pivot based on what you're doing? And I think what people that reach out are definitely people that are more interested than the people you're reaching out to just, you know, (laughs) that that aren't reciprocating. That's just fascinating. I love it. There's just so many themes that are consistent with the way that you would interact with traditional talent. And I love that you guys have figured out a really strong model to cultivate and grow talent in the esports space, but then the way that you're able to connect brands into it and kind of bring them into the fold in, in a meaningful way is, is amazing. And I've really enjoyed having conversations with you about, I think we've talked influencers, but even just like the talent representation that gets into these large organizations, I think a lot of people don't really understand the power of a streamer strategy in a large org. And that's the future of some of these traditional orgs that have multiple teams is layering in streamers who are high personality that really diversify their portfolios. And you've really made a name for yourself in representing talent that can fill in some of those gaps and, and be the, that niche, that niche talent. Can you tell me a little bit more about like, 
where that comes from and, and how, where you're seeing the industry grow in that space? Yeah, I think that just being a great competitor, placing good in CSGO or Fortnite around these tournaments is great, but it's just so inherently limiting. There's only so much you can, so many Overwatch League matches, and there's only just so much that that can build. But if you have more, more just general influencers who are maybe more variety streamers and can play what's hot, can play Among Us, can play Call of Duty, can really just fit in a bunch of different ways and be this kind of jack of all trades who you can pair with your Overwatch team to help play with them and can really just host a content piece and be like this kind of face that I think organizations need. And it it lets you really interact with your fans as well as their fans. And especially as you go up, you know, the ladder and their interaction and what they care about get more intense. Like what was, I think earlier this month, Nick Merckx was doing a gym stream and he had 60,000 people watching him. Dude was lifted. He was literally deadlifting weights, like doing shoulder shrugs and had 60,000 people. That's like an arena. That's like Madison square garden kind of things. Just watching a dude in a hoodie. He wasn't even in like a wife beater. Like he was literally in like a hoodie and shorts, just deadlifting. And I was just, it was just mind boggling because you just have, you know, thousands of people and the chat is just monster. And it's just like, you know, it's, you just can't buy that. Like you, that's just not something that you can do. And it's it's just behind the curtain. And I always found when I was working in basketball, like people want to see a little bit of what's going on, like behind the scenes. And I think streamers are so open to sharing so much of their life while because they're streaming for six, 10 hours a day. But then if you see them outside of the element, like, I don't know why that's so fascinating for people. And I think some of the top like influencers, like, like the Chrissy Teigen's of the world, you know, for example, you know, being really authentic into what's going on in their lives and those struggles and the behind the scenes things have really cultivated this, intimacy with their fans that makes them feel like they're kind of a part of their family or, you know, a a part of their life experience that from a marketability, it it does translate to that influence. And, and it, and it does anchor back to this connectivity where you just have a trust for what that person is telling you. Right. Right. And what they're what they're into, whether it's something that they're wearing or you know something in the background of of their stream or the food that they're eating or like it it's really comes down to that intimate connection that you can have with your fans. Yeah, I mean, I think that's you know what is the great thing about social media and when you know Facebook and Instagram and all these things are really taking hold. It was like you can now see in the studio and behind the scenes before you go on stage and, you know, in the locker room and all of these never, you know, I've been in studios with people making songs and, you know, all these things and I've been backstage and, you know, all these really exciting things, but most people haven't. And to kind of show the little Instagram clip of you going on stage right before you go, like it's amazing. And I think that's what people started to realize the power of social media was being able to give everyone an opportunity to see what you're really like. And I think that's what Twitch kind of brings to the next level where it's like, not only do we get to see what they're like the behind the scenes, but they're also video gaming and sitting here and answering chat live and really actually interacting with me the same way 
I'm doing it. And I think that's what is really where the home run is. That's why it works is because you're getting this access that you never got before. And I know a lot of former players that are like, if social media existed when I was a player, it would have been bad news. And it's like, you can't get away with stuff in a club anymore the way that you used to. Like I heard some stuff about what some Knicks and Giants used to do at clubs in the city. That's not going to fly nowadays. You're going to be on TMZ in three seconds. Right. But also what a missed opportunity to build longevity within Mm -hmm. your career. Right. So that's just like the coin, the two sided. Yeah. Like you had to just be super amazing and just win all the, you had to just kind of be like a super all-star level to have this individual recognition. It wasn't just based on how cool you are. Yeah. Or you needed to be so over the top. Yeah. You had to be like Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Like you have to wear a wedding dress in full makeup in order to get the linear attention, the traditional media attention, but he, what do you, did he need to go that far if he was plugged into social media in, in the nineties? Right. No, he would have been hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram live with him after every game would have just been like, he would have had six figure views easily. Yeah. But he wouldn't have needed to go like mm-hmm. that level, like next level, next level, next level. Like he constantly had to one up himself in order to garnish attention. Whereas having this captive ongoing audience is what makes this so special. So if people want to connect with you, Justin, where's the best place for them to, to reach out? Well, definitely follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q. It's my DMS are open. So I'm always open to anyone that's trying to ask any questions or connect, whether it's shooting a LinkedIn message or a random email, you have to do it. Like that's my biggest advice to anyone out there. And kind of how I live my career is like, the worst thing can happen is they're just not going to answer. Like I've never experienced anyone that's going to like flip out on you for like messaging them. Hi, I'd love to you know hear about you. Whatever. It's just, yeah. I just think that that's the biggest thing is if you want to connect, reach out LinkedIn and all these social media tools are great for that. You're a great connector. I mean, you really are a great networker and connector and extremely open and transparent and definitely can see how that's been fruitful in, in your career thank you so much. I know like a lot of the marketing managers and C-level executives on the marketing side that listen to this podcast are just going to be like blown away that a brand like Ford Models is all in on esports. So I really appreciate you sharing your story and and the success that, that you're personally seeing in the space. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And I want to come on your show. Definitely. We'll schedule that very soon. Yeah, that'll be fun. Thanks so much, Justin. I hope you have a great night. You too. Have a good one. Bye.